0: Last week, how God appeared to Joshua and gave him the plan that God wanted to use to conquer Jericho. That it wasn't going to be Joshua's idea, but that Joshua needed to get on the same page with God and do what God would have him to do. And now we're going to begin reading in verse number six through the end of the chapter. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest. This was after God had come to him. And now he goes and he calls the priest and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and come past the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord, and blew with the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets, and the rearward came after the ark, and the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men on went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, and the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp so did so they did 6 days and it came to pass on the 7th day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner 7 times only on that day they compassed the city 7 times and it came to pass at the 7th time when the priests blew with the trumpets Joshua said unto the people shout for the Lord has given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any way, any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. But all the silver... And gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old and ox And sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab, and her father, and her mother, and her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver, and the gold, and the vessels of brass, and of iron. They put into the treasury of the house of the Lord, and Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers with Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord, that riseth up and buildeth the city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So, the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word. We thank you for the truth that is in it. I just pray that you would enable me tonight, Lord, that um, I would speak your word, your truth, and that you would be glorified, and we could learn more about you tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. There's a lot of repetition. In that passage of Scripture, it talks about, and sometimes it can get a little bit confusing going through, and you read it, and then it goes back and says the same thing over again, and says the same thing over again, but we're gonna, there's a reason for that. We're gonna go through, we're gonna try to um, see why it was recorded, what God was trying to say through this. And here, the, here's Israel. Up to this time, up to, in the prior chapters we were talking a little bit, they've been looking at the Jordan River, and how it was overflowing its flood banks. And we've talked about that, how they needed God to open up the river for them. They needed God to work a miracle so they could cross the Jordan River. They crossed the Jordan River. Yes, we've seen God work. And right in front of them is Jericho. And they need God to work in Jericho. And then they're going to get through Jericho, and there's, that isn't the end either. The Christian life, living for God, is not one trial, one burden after the other. What it is, is, is opportunities for God to work. We often view trials, what God has, what God has allowed in our life, as obstacles. If we can only get this out of our way, then I can truly serve God. If only this person wasn't in my life. If only, um, you know, you put that scenario in. I wasn't at this job, or if only I had that job, or if, um, if only... I was married, or if only I was single again, or whatever you want to put in there, there's this obstacle in front of you, and you're saying, if only that was out of my way, then I could serve God. But I believe God wants us to learn tonight that those very things that we're saying we need out of our way are actually opportunities, are actually what God wants to use to show Himself mighty, what God wants to use to work in our lives. So you have that thing we've in a couple of weeks ago we talked about. Think of something that you need God to work in your life. So we say we need God to give victory in this situation. Well, what would that victory look like if God accomplished it? What would it look like in your mind? How would you like to see God work this situation out? But first, let me tell you, Let me. I believe it is very clear in Scripture that God's desire for your life is to glorify Him. God's desire for your life is not that you would have an easy life. That you and I would just have a wonderful time, no trials, no troubles. But in fact, what God's purpose for our life is, is that He would receive glory. From our lives. And that was God's purpose with Israel. God, everything recorded in the Bible is for our learning. For our admonition. For us to learn how we can live our lives today. That's why it was recorded in the Bible. And God wanted to do the same thing with Israel. Remember... Um, just a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the Jordan River, they've set up the stones so that all the earth would know the Lord was mighty, the hand of the Lord, and would fear the Lord. God wanted to use Israel to show the entire world how great He was. God wanted to use the events, the obstacles ahead of, of Israel, how God would work those out. God wanted to use those in such a way that His name would be lifted up and all the earth would realize who God was. Jericho was not so much an obstacle, though it was. It had big walls. Jericho needed to fall. It was a fortress. They needed to conquer Jericho. But what it was, was an opportunity for God to show himself mighty, and for Israel to experience that, and come to know God better. Joshua was facing an approaching battle. Okay, You you could look at the um, archaeology evidence and... Um, I didn't say that word right, but we'll we'll get there. You can look at the people who dig in the earth and dig up old things, okay. But people who have done that and excavated where Jericho is have found big walls. It wasn't that Jericho was some massive city, one of the royal cities per se, but I believe there were two walls, a wall and then a bigger wall. So when you crawled over the first wall, you got stuck and trapped in the middle And then you would be wiped out. It was a series of defenses where there would be one wall and that was shorter. And so the whole time you were coming up the wall, the higher wall, was firing darts and firing arrows down at you. And then you got over the second wall and then you got down and then you were trapped. And so it was not something that was looked at lightly. Sometimes they believed the walls were over 20 feet thick. And you're like, how is Israel... They had fought battles, but they needed to get, conquer this city. They didn't have siege weapons. They weren't, we've gone over this, we've talked about this some, they weren't a mighty army that was trained and was gonna go conquer this land. But Joshua was facing the approaching battle with confidence. Why? Well, he had clear direction from the Lord. In the previous verses, God had appeared to, God, to Joshua and said, this is how you're going to conquer the city. In fact, those walls that you look at and you say, you're thinking, how are we going to get through those? They're going to disappear. They're going to fall down flat. And not only are the walls going to fall down, I have made the walls fall down, and I have given you the city. Joshua not only had clear direction, he was to march around the city, and then there were shout. He didn't just have clear direction, but he also had the promise of victory. God had promised him, "If you do this, I am going to give you great victory. I am going to make the walls of the city fall down, and you're going to every man go straight before Him." Now, if you um, study out that word just a little bit, it has this idea. Openly, they weren't going to be dodging and having to use shields and that stuff to hide under. They were just going to be able to boldly, openly walk straight into the city. The defenses of the entire city were going to crumble. Gone. Everything that Joshua and the people of Israel were looking at and say, how are we going to do that? God was saying, it's, going to go, it's gone. I'm promising you the victory. It's going to be over. So with these facts, Joshua didn't just sit back and say, wow, we're going to, we're going to have victory. Great, this is great. I am so excited about this. What he does, and we read all those verses, and it talks about it again and again. What Joshua did is he initiated the battle in obedience to God's revealed word. That's simply what he did. God had come to him and said, this is what I want you to do. So what did Joshua do? He did what God had told him to do. In verse number six, he, Joshua, the son of Nun, he called the priest Instead of him, take up the Ark of the Covenant. And he begins to relay the instructions that God had given him. He begins to relay to the people. And notice that God took a prominent role in this battle. In this battle, it wasn't all about the the armies of Israel and Joshua as the leader. What do you read about in this story? You read about the Ark of God. You read about the priest... Blowing the trumpets. I noticed one thing, or I, as I was studying, they mentioned this thing. They were blowing the ram's horns. Now, this wasn't the only type of trumpets that Israel had. If In, in the Sunday school lesson a couple weeks ago, we just went over how God had ordered Moses to make silver trumpets. That they were to blow on and say... Um, to sound an alarm in case there was battle. Or to blow on and say, alright, they were to sound a signal. And then the tribe of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, the different tribes would know when it was time to move out as they were marching through the wilderness. They had these silver trumpets to give orders. Well, where did these ram's horns come in? They were what was used in the worship of God. The, the ram's horns was what the priest used when they were sounding for feast. When they were sounding for the um, events that were centered around the worship of God. And God is telling Joshua, don't take the trumpets that are about your armies. Don't take that. That's just neat. I've, I saw it. God said, take the trumpets that have to do with my worship. Because you're not really going to be fighting this battle. This battle is going to be. I'm going to be the one who's going to do the fighting. They were to take the ark of God with them around the city. Notice also in verse um, in verse number eleven, it says, "So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about at once." Here it was as there was an armed guard with the um of the tribe part of the army went first. And then came the priests blowing the trumpets. Then came the ark of God. And then it says rearward. Basically, it's talking about the rear guard or the soldiers that came behind them. So the ark was in the very center of the children of Israel as they went around the city. And it says the arks pat the armies in verse in um verse, um I'm sorry, I'm looking for it, but it says they um, pass on and the um the armies pass before. The ark, let him, in verse number 7, sorry, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. So here the ark of the Lord is at camp, they're getting ready to go, and here comes the army. It's almost like it's a um, military inspection. Here's the ark of the Lord, and the armies are walking before, in the sight of the ark of God. They're being Before they go into battle, they're appearing before God. But the only commands the soldiers had at this time was in verse number 10, the order for silence. They knew they were to go and compass the city. Joshua commands the armies of Israel, you're going to go and you're going to compass the city. And then in verse number 10, this is where it kind of repeats. This was something he had said prior. He said, "Um, and Joshua had commanded the people saying, ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall ye shout. I could not find, I looked for this, I could not find where Joshua told the soldiers of Israel that the walls of Jericho were going to fall down. I I found God telling Joshua that. But I, I read it, I studied it, I looked it up in the Hebrew words. I did not find God, I mean Joshua, telling the soldiers of Israel that the walls were going to fall down. Here's what they knew. They knew they were to go and march around the city. And they knew they weren't to shout, they weren't to speak a word, they weren't to make any noise with their mouth, until Joshua said so. They didn't know how they were, they knew they needed to conquer Jericho. But they didn't know how it was going to happen. What they did know, this is what they did know, was our leader has gotten orders from God. Our leader then passes on that orders to us. And we are going to follow his leadership as he tells us to do. They had to submit to the authority. They didn't know what was going on. But they said, this is what God has told Joshua to do, and this is what we're going to do. God told Joshua. Joshua, the city's going to fall. I've given you the victory. Joshua comes to his soldiers and says, alright, get the Ark of the Covenant, get the horns that we use for the religious ceremonies, that worshiping God, and we're going to go and we're going to march around the city. So they go out. In obedience to God, and God's man, the armies in silent march come past the city of Jericho. Just circle it. One of the commentaries I was reading, one of the people um, who was writing about it said, this might have taken as few as 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Jericho wasn't a massive city. Maybe it took an hour. We don't know. But it wasn't an all-day event. So here they come. They get up early in the morning. The armies of Israel, they are going to battle in the land of Canaan for the first time. They put on their armor. They gird on their swords. And they leave the camp. They leave their children and their wives behind, the cattle, and they march out of the city with not a spoken word. Usually, you think about an army marching, you hear cheering, you think of cadences that they're chanting to um, get their spirits up. All you hear is the tramp of the feet and the horns blowing. And you can hear those waiting at camp can hear the horns blowing in the distance. And 30 minutes later, here they come again, marching back into camp, horns still blowing, silent. Do you think they would have felt maybe a little bit silly coming back into camp? Swords still in their sheaths, nothing moved, maybe a little dusty from the march, but that was it. They march in. What happened? What happened? We marched around the city. Why did we do that? Well, that's what Joshua said. Okay. Okay. But they didn't just do this one day. You see, God was doing something with the children of Israel. He said, you're going to do that six days. They had to continue, persist in their obedience to what God had said. God had not said anything new. God had not given them any new revelation. God had said, "You're going to march around the city once six days. Once around the city. Go back, wait. Once around the city for six days. Then on the seventh day, they rise. The Bible says they rose at the dawning of the day. They got up even earlier." And they went and marched around the city of Jericho seven times. That's a, even if it's only a 30 minute march, that's a good long march. And they're a little bit dusty, more tired after this. How many of you have ever tried to start waking up earlier? You set your alarm for a little bit earlier. And the first day, you're excited. You're pumped to get up earlier. And you get up. But by the third or fourth day, how many of us... I've tried it too. I've done it dozens of times. I'm going to start getting up earlier. And by the third or fourth day, it's not six o'clock in the morning. It's... 6.45. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I can get up now. Or... How many times have you said, I'm going to start eating right, or I'm going to get into shape, or I'm going to, you have this goal that you're going to do. The hardest part is not starting. The hardest part is the next week and the next week. Making it a consistent habit. Sore, disillusioned, you and I often lose heart and stop whatever we were trying to accomplish. But how often does this happen in our Christian life? Reading our Bible? Spending time in prayer? Church attendance? Stopping certain activities that we know are not pleasing to the Lord? I'm not going to do that anymore. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Boom. We all do it. The hardest part of serving the Lord is tomorrow. Doing it again and again. And getting up tomorrow. And you know what Joshua and the children of Israel are doing here? They had to continue and continue doing what God's word said. And by the end of the seventh time around the city, on the seventh day, they had now marched around the city of Jericho 13 times. How do you think Jericho felt about this now? Remember, their city was shut up. They were scared of Israel. And for a week now, Israel has just been marching around their city. Not a sound, other than the blowing of the trumpets. They don't see any. Maybe they're trying to delay us until their weapons come up. Nope. They're not doing anything. They're just marching around the city. How do you think Israel felt? The soldiers Let's just take an inventory for a second, all right? Nothing had happened so far that gave them a clue that God was working at all. Nothing has told us about Jericho, so we can assume that nothing is going on really there. There wasn't the armies of Jericho coming out and trying to attack the children of Israel. That isn't recorded in the Bible. They're still in the city. Well, maybe Israel's thinking, maybe... The people in Jericho will just get so frightened, they'll all just um, kill themselves. I don't know what Israel was thinking. But Jericho was still there. The walls were still there. Everything that they were facing had not changed. And up to that point, they had followed God's revealed word to a T. There was no... Even if they had heard from Joshua that the walls were going to fall down... From what I can tell in the Bible, they didn't know that yet. So, they'd been there a week, marching around the city of Jericho, following God's will, and nothing had happened yet. The walls were still there. The gates were still up. The soldiers were still staring down at them from Jericho. All they had was sore legs. Sore feet from marching. But as they march around the seventh time, they come to a stop. Joshua calls their attention, even though nothing had changed. He says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. God has already given you the city. The walls are still up. The soldiers are still in there. The gates are still shut. He says, God has given you the city, so yell about it. But first, he gives them some final instructions like the city's already been taken. He says, this victory was to be God's, not for their personal gain. And he begins to go through and say how everything in the city was accursed. Or it was devoted, set apart for God. What God said, you're going to burn everything in the city. Except the the silver and the gold and the iron. That is going to go into my house. You are to take nothing from this city. Unless you bring that into the camp of Israel and trouble it. Is the word that God used. I'm going to bring judge. If you bring the things of Jericho into your house. You bring it into the camp of Israel. You're going to bring God's judgment on Israel. Because this victory was about God. Not about Israel's military prowess, Not about them accomplishing some great thing. It was to be about God. But also revealed in this. Was the mercy of God. Because it goes, it goes back and forth. Between the destruction of Jericho and the rescue of Rahab. The harlot. The destruction of everything living in Jericho and the rescue of Rahab and her entire family. Think about the mercy of God in that. The harlot of Jericho. And it's very clear in the Bible why she was rescued. Because she had believed God. She had heard of the spies coming and she received God. What did the king and the rest of Jericho do? They tried to find the spies. They tried to kill them. They shut their gates against God. They say, we don't want you, God. But Rahab had opened her doors and taken and hidden the spies in faith of who God was. God was not unjust in destroying the city of Jericho. God had given them an opportunity to repent. He had waited from the time of Abraham till now. They had had Abraham in the land, Isaac in the land, Jacob. They had heard of God's working 40 years ago when they came out of Egypt. And when Israel came in the land, Rahab repented, but the city of Jericho did not. They shut their gates, and God said, they will be destroyed. But don't you dare take anything out of that city, because you will trouble your camp with that. So here they are. Joshua is commanding them and giving them orders about what not to take out of the city. And the walls are still up. God is giving them... or Joshua, God through Joshua is giving them instruction and saying, this is what you're going to do. You're going to rescue Rahab the harlot. You're going to see how merciful God is, but you're also going to extend God's judgment on this. And they're looking and they still see walls. They still see soldiers. But then when Joshua commands the people, it says, when you hear the long blast of the trumpet shout for the Lord has given you the city, it's already happened. So what do they do? The Bible says they give a great shout in verse number 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The walls fell down flat. It has the idea of prostrated, or falling down on their face, or just simply sinking down. It wasn't that there was an earthquake, or the sound waves from the trumpets and the people shouting made the walls to crumble. No. That is people trying to say, well, this could have happened to explain. No. God, in his supernatural way, took these 25-foot-thick walls of Jericho. 20 feet high, some 30 feet high. Depends on who you listen to. But they were big. They were walls. They weren't cracked and crumbling. And they just went, fell over. Or they went, and disappeared. However you look at it, that's what happened. These walls that they were looking at, the obstacle that was in front of them, we need this out of our way so we can move forward for God, disappeared. And every it says every man went straight up before Him. They went openly. And they conquered the city. They burned and they killed everything in the city except for Rahab and what belonged to God. And Israel got to experience the mighty workings of God. How? By acting in faith to God's revealed word until the battle was over. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It was God who brought down the walls of Jericho God could have killed every one of the Canaanites in the whole land of Canaan. And all Joshua and Israel would have had to do was walk in and occupy the land. Could have God done that. Yes. God could have taken down every city before Israel even got there. So why did God... Israel experience the mighty workings of God when they acted in faith to God's revealed word. But why did God want it to be this way? Why did God want them to march around the city of Jericho 13 times before anything happened? God wanted Israel to see the results of faith in God's word. And for Israel to know just a little bit more about who God was. God wanted to show Israel his power. Just think about that for a second. The power of God. They look at these walls, they obey God's word, and the walls that were facing them fall flat before God. How about the mercy of God? We talked about that a little, a little bit. How that a harlot, someone who had lived for the devil in a wicked city, yet was rescued, was the only person, her and her family, was the only person in Jericho that was rescued. The only person out of that whole city, And in fact, if we read the Bible, if we continue through it, it was Rahab who became part of the line of David and eventually the Messiah. She was incorporated into that as a heathen, as a king. She should have perished in Jericho. It wasn't because she was a godly person that she was spared. It was because she believed God and acted upon that. And the mercy of God. In rescuing her from that. Also, God's judgment. And those who reject Him. Those who say, I'm not going to do anything God says. I'm not going to listen. I turn my back on God. Israel got to see all of that. They got to see the power of God. The mercy of God. The judgment of God. And experience the mighty workings of God. When they acted in faith. To God's revealed word. So what are you facing today? God might not make walls disappear. That would be a little weird in New York City. If walls started disappearing. But God is still the same God that he was in Jericho that he is today. God's hand is not any less powerful today than it was back then. God's hand is not shortened, the Bible says. God has not changed. The obstacles and trials to our progress that we are saying, I just want these removed, are actually more often than not opportunities for God to show His mighty power, for God to work in our lives and show just a little bit more of how mighty He is. Just show us a little bit more about who He is. What does God want me to do? Does God want me to march around that unsaved family member's house until the walls fall off? Or does God want me to give a great shout in the office the next time my coworker starts cussing? Is that what God wants me to do? I don't think so. I think what we can learn is three simple truths from this is obey in faith God's revealed word. In every situation. Alright? You say, I wish God would just come to me like He did to Joshua. And give me that clear direction like He did to Joshua. Let me tell you, He already has. We already have all of God's Word that we're going to have. God is not going to come and speak to you in some audible voice. And tell you something other than what you already have in your hands. There were some great messages at the GIBF meeting on how We just need to listen to what God has already said. What what God has already said, everything we need to know, and what we need to do is simply obey it. Act upon it. And you know what? You think the walls of Jericho had fallen down if they said, God, that just doesn't make sense. You know what? In this military time, marching around the city might have worked in the past, but it doesn't work right now. Do you think the walls of Jericho would have fallen down? if they hadn't obeyed God? Was it their marching around the city of Jericho that knocked the walls down? No. It was God that knocked the walls down. But the reason they were able to experience the mighty working of God, the reason they were able to see that obstacle in front of them fall down to the glory of God is because they were acting in faith in obedience to God's revealed Word. What God had told them. You know what? How do we know what God says? Well, we read our Bibles. We listen to the preaching. We meditate on what God has said. It is so easy. I see it in my life so many times. The Word of God comes in and says, Boy, I need to change that. And I'm on to the next thing. Boy, I really need to... Man, God spoke to me. What about? And I just keep moving forward and nothing in my life changed. That's wrong. That's not how we're supposed to act to God's Word. Our life must be changed so that it matches God's Word. So we need to obey in faith God's revealed Word. Then you know what we need to do? Keep on obeying God's Word. It didn't work just the first time they marched around the city of Jericho. They had to obey God's Word the whole time. They had to serve God in faith 13 times around the city of Jericho. God does not show us what he's working on most of the time until it is over. Until we've reached the end and we can see what God has done. Then we can say, I had no idea that's what you were doing, God. Wow. Wow. Because God wants us to see how mighty He is. He doesn't want us to say, well, if I march around the city so many times, then the walls crack this way, and then the walls fall down. If you go back from Noah all the way to you and I today, Noah, Abraham, David, just start going through the Bible, you know what you're going to find? God said, obey me. They obeyed God, and then they saw the blessings of God. It wasn't until they took that step of obedience and said, I'm going to obey you, God. And even though Joseph was thrown in prison, he kept serving God and kept the right attitude. You could go through life after life after life of people who are in the Bible because of their positive example, because they were lived for God and saw God do mighty works in their past. It wasn't, they didn't see God do mighty works in their past because they said, show me God and then I will obey you is because they said, this is what you said, I'm going to obey it, no matter the consequences, and God was able to give great blessings. Only then will you experience the victory God can give. Obey God. Keep on obeying God. And experience the victory that only God can give. Let me say it this way. We must persistently obey God's revealed Word, each and every day, persistently obey God's revealed word. That's awful simple, exactly. If we boil it down, God's word is not complicated. Trust and obey God. You and I will experience the mighty workings of God when we persistently act in faith to God's revealed word. God doesn't always bring walls down. Sometimes He opens a door. I remember at Bible college, a big thing for a Bible college student, or any student, is paying that school bill. At Heartland, there isn't student loans, so if you don't pay your bills, you don't get to stay in school. You, you, um, You have to pay your bills, stay up, that way you can graduate debt free. That's just the way they have it set up. Well, at Heartland, so that's a big deal. That's something a lot of students deal with. They're working their way through school. They don't show up with their parents paying everything. A lot of students work a job, and that's how they pay for their school bills. And I remember hearing stories about some students who were there, and they were working, and they were, I do not know how I'm going to make this next payment. And they'd show up in the finance office, and they said, Somebody sent a check yesterday, and your bill's all paid. As they were obeying God had in front of them, they saw God's blessings. But in someone else's life, God may have just simply given them a raise and said, keep working. I'll take care of you. Another person, God may have said, I'll just give you the strength so you can work those extra hours, less sleep, and you can still do this. You know what you find in all three of those situations? God met the need. But God doesn't always work in every situation the exact same way. It isn't always walls falling down. But it is the mighty working of God. What we must do is persistently obey God's revealed Word. Break down the whole Bible. How are you saved? You obey God's Word. How do you live for Him? You obeyed God's word. God isn't going to expect you to do something he hasn't shown you in his word. Submit to the leadership. God had That's what the children of Israel had to do. They didn't know the wall. They didn't know how it was going to happen. God had told Joshua Joshua told them. They said, all right, that's what we have to do. They obeyed what God had shown them that day, the next day, and the next day. And then at the end, glory to God, the walls of Jericho fell down. How did that happen? God. But it never would have happened day one, day two, day three, four, five, six, and then seven times on day seven. With God front and center and the whole thing. It wasn't, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to make it. It was done in obedience to God, with God front and center the whole time through. They obeyed the revealed will of God. And you know what they They acted in faith, and they got to experience the mighty workings of God. You want to experience the mighty workings of God in your life? It isn't some mystical experience. It is You could read all the books in the Christian bookstore, and it's going to talk about this, I just prayed through, and I felt this, God's spirit poured on top of me. Okay. I can tell you how you're experience the workings of God. Obey what's written in his word. What God has said. Revealed. And you know what? You're going to look at the end and it isn't going to be, well, I just had this special moment where everything came through. I just obeyed God and this is where I ended up. I just followed God day one, day two, day three, day four, the whole of my life. I don't know how I got here other than I was obeying God. Because God is interested in Him receiving glory from our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank You for today. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power that You do possess, Lord, and how You want to be glorified through our lives. just pray that we would, Lord, just simply obey You each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. If you need to take a moment, pray there in your seats or come forward. You can do that. We'll just take a moment before we split up and pray.